Welcome to The Caleb Show. This is a show about the Bible, about renewing, and about the mind, where every week we discuss how the Word of God is sufficient for day-to-day living, no matter what is happening in your life. You will be challenged to make the Bible an essential part of your thinking and living. Join us now as we investigate the world with the ancient truth of God's Word. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, and welcome back to the show. This is a show where, as we've said before, it's about renewing of the mind from the Bible as the source of truth and information and guidance coming directly from God, our Creator, who understands us and is able to speak to us and create change within us that is real and permanent and full of life and joy and all that stuff. Isn't that marvelous? And today we're talking about this idea of what it is that we live by. What is it that you live by? Do you live in a Western country, in a developing country? Are you in the East, the Middle East? Are you in the West? Are you in the South? Are you in the North? Don't know where you are, but no matter who you are, if you're human, you live by something. Uh, I just heard the other day a lady say that she was a trained Marxist, so apparently she lives by the tenets of Marxism, and it's her desire to make sure that the tenets of Marxism become a reality. People live by something. Whether they can articulate it or not, there is something by which everybody lives. Now, this comes up in a conversation between Jesus and the devil. So if you've ever read Luke chapter 4, you will know that in it is an account of Jesus's temptation. There's one in Matthew as well, but we're going to look at the one in Luke. So in Luke chapter 4, verse 3, it says that the devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command this stone that it may be made bread. Now, Bear in mind that Jesus was just coming through his 40-day fast in the wilderness. So he was hungry, probably hot, and had been out in the wilderness all this time uh, in prayer and in uh, preparing himself for the ministry to come. Now, fasting is a whole other topic, which we may talk about in a future episode. If you'd like to hear about fasting, you can certainly email me at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com and let me know that that's something you'd like to hear about and we could talk about fasting. But right now we're talking about this temptation that the devil threw at Jesus. So he says, if you're the son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Now you notice the funny thing there, the contradiction almost. The devil refers to Jesus and calls him the son of God which is a true title of Jesus, but a title that reflects his position uh, as, before God or as God. He is the son of God. And in Jewish culture of that day, and this comes out in the book of John, if you read it, if you are the son, then you have all of the authority that the father has because property and authority and titles get passed from father to son. And so that's true in Roman culture, and that's true in Jewish culture as well. Land and all these things that are all wrapped up, they all get passed from the father to the eldest son. So Jesus being the only son has all of the authority and all of the 
the characteristics, the, 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 the place of God. So the devil says this, if you're the son of God. Now that, you know, that's a very full statement. God is spirit, says Jesus, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so the devil says this to him and then tells him to command the stones to be made bread. So he's kind of, he's trying to tempt him uh, to do something in his own ability or his own, he had the ability, um, but it's to appeal to his flesh because he just spent 40 days it being in the wilderness fasting. And so he's trying to go to something that will help him in his flesh in one sense. Now, later in the book of John, chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 with fish and bread, and they try to make him a king. And he even says, it's just because you got free food. And so this idea of turning stones into bread uh, or, or having a miracle of food of some kind comes back later in Jesus's ministry. But Jesus takes this idea of a physical thing and then applies it more broadly in a spiritual sense. Now, the Bible is full of this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, first there's the natural, and then there's the spiritual. And if you open your eyes and look at the world around you, you will see thousands of examples of something happening in the physical world that has a reflection of a spiritual reality. This is one thing right here, eating. Eating and keeping your physical body alive is a picture of taking part, taking the scripture and the word of God and putting it into your mind to keep your spiritual life alive. So, but Jesus doesn't fall for the trick, okay? He, he recognizes that he's hungry, yes, but he also recognizes that there's something greater. Read John chapter 4, where Jesus has the conversation with a Samaritan woman at the well, and he says, I have food that you don't know anything about. Jesus was always looking to a different source for his life. So he says here to the devil, Jesus answered him saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now he's quoting here Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. So skip back to Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. And it, you'll find there that Moses is talking about the Israelites being in the wilderness and the life they lived there and that God fed them with manna so that they would learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, if you read that in your Bible, the, the word word there might be in italics. And if it's in italics, that means that the word is not the word the english word word is not literally represented by any hebrew word in the text they put the word there to make it read right but really literally it should say man does not live by only bread but by all that proceeds out of the mouth of the lord does man live so literally that's what deuteronomy 8:3 should say but by all that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. Now, when you read the Septuagint Greek version of Deuteronomy chapter 8, it actually has the word rhema there. So it inserts this word rhema. Now, I could talk a bit about the Septuagint, but we don't have time right now and why it's important to look at. But basically, the Septuagint was a Greek version of the Hebrew Old Testament that was 
translated and published 100 plus years before Jesus was born. A lot of the scriptures in the New Testament, Greek, are quoted from the Greek Old Testament, which is a Septuagint. So, and scholars who understand the depths of Greek and Hebrew can can ascertain which, if it's from a Masoretic Greek or, or you know, the, the actual Hebrew or if it's from um, the Septuagint Greek, they can determine that by by translating back because there's Jewish, there's a Hebraicisms and things like that that exist. Anyway, that's beside the point. The point is, is that the Hebrew does not have the word word. It just says all that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So when you talk about all that proceeds out of the mouth of God, it's a much broader scope. And I think that's why then the translators of the Hebrew into the Septuagint, these rabbis, scholars, put in the Greek word rhema, which is retained in the writing of Luke. He puts rhema. Now, the Greek word rhema means the message or the the greater intent of the words, you could say. So you have the word logos, which means word in Greek. You have the word dvar, which means the word in Hebrew. But then you also have this word rhema, which is more the message or the communication being transmitted through the words. So the Septuagint and Luke both use this word rhema, which is probably a a clearer way of translating the idea from the Hebrew, which just says all that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So when you read the Bible, what proceeds from God's mouth? Well, it's the, the whole message of scripture. And from the scriptures, we get wisdom, we get truth, we get knowledge, we get understanding, we get and we get our the teachings of salvation, the teachings of who Jesus is, the teachings of life in the spirit, the teachings of loving your neighbor as yourself, the teachings of loving God with your mind, your heart, your soul, and all your strength. All these things can come from the scripture. So these are the core ideas that the New Testament says we need to understand from the scriptures. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then from that is, as Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, is all the law and the prophets. So this is a big deal, this idea of all that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus is sidestepping the idea of just the bread, something physical, something to aid the physical body. And so that one thing, the bread, can be a representative of any number of things that we think we need for our day-to-day physical life. So we tend to focus on What's our next meal going to be? When's our next paycheck going to come? What if I got, I need to get this education so that I can make the best life that I can, so I can make money, so that I can pay the bills, so that I can provide for my family, so that I can eventually retire, so that I can play golf and die. So we focus on these sort of things that we think we need. We need the house. We need the car. We need the, the next promotion. We need the whatever it is. You can just fill in the blank. Okay. We focus on these kind of things. But what Jesus is saying is man does not live by bread only, but by all. So instead of the only focus, he's going for the all focus. All things come from God. He is the creator of all. And from him, we discover all that we need to live our life.
Yeah? So we're about renewing the mind in that. So what is our challenge? Our challenge is, is what do you live by? The devil wants to give you this sort of tunnel vision to get you down to these basic things, these things that are necessary for everybody. I mean, whether you're a Muslim or whether you're a communist or whether you're an atheist or whether you're into new age or whether you're a Christian or whether you're Jewish or whether you're five or whether you're a hundred, it doesn't matter. Everybody needs food. And Jesus even says this. He says, God knows that you need food. God knows that you need a place to live. God knows that you need clothes on your back. These, these aren't like shocking revelations. We tend to make them big things because we get this sort of tunnel vision. And that's exactly what the devil is after. He's after us to get hyper-focused on these little teeny things. Whereas God wants us to look at him. So there's a big difference there between the idea of, uh, you know, the old idea of religion or or the, the sort of pagan idea of religion, I'll put it that way, is that we seek to please the gods in order to make our life better. So we want our business to go well. We want to uh, have a safe journey somewhere. So we give an offering to the gods of the wind and the gods of the sea so that we get on that boat and sail over to that other place that we're going to. We will have a, a good journey on the way. And then once we get there, we want to start our business or we want to enter, you know, meet somebody who can help us along the way. And so we give offerings to the God of commerce or whatever. So I'm, you know, I'm joking. We don't give offerings nowadays, but you see how it works. You're in the old way of thinking about things you had to go to whatever God was the God of whatever area so that you can, appease that God so he would give you favor. So were you trying to relate to that God on a personal level or just trying to get something for yourself? You know, ultimately you're just trying to get something for yourself. You're not trying to relate to that God in any sort of meaningful way. You don't love that God. You just want whatever benefit that God can give you. So when you talk about the true God, the God of scripture, the God of creator God and all that, he is always coming to us in a sense of relationship. So, you know, even the picture of Adam and Eve in the garden, where it says that they were, that the God came in, uh, into the garden in the cool of the day and walked and called out for Adam. You know, that's a very relational thing. But the problem was, is that Adam and Eve uh, refused to live according to God's way. So they rebelled against God and that created a separation and then a wrong idea of how we need to relate to God. So Jesus came and related to people. He ate with them at meals. He walked with them on the road. He talked with them by the sea. He would have gone to, you know, he would have laid down at night in his tent on the side of the road with in the same camp as all the other guys. He went through the same things that they went through. And it says in the book of Hebrews that he was tested on all points, just as we are, yet without sin. And so he came to show us this way of living. And Jesus constantly was going back to the Father. He was always relating back to God. He was always explaining that he sought to do nothing unless he was led that way by his Father. He wanted to always do the things that pleased the Father. And so that was his day-to-day -day life. It was his moment-by-moment -moment life. His mind his expectations, his thoughts, his 
desires for his apostles and for people around him and for the nation of Israel were always based on what the father was showing him. And he understood these things primarily through the writings of scripture in the Old Testament and things like that. You know, he said, Moses wrote about me. And so we know that that's what he understood. So the devil will seek to give you this kind of tunnel vision and take you down to basic things. Because what does Jesus say? Remember when Peter told Jesus that he would not go to the cross? Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So that word mindful is a Greek word that's a verb, phreneo, if I remember correctly. You may look it up and challenge me on that. But I think it's the word phreneo. It's a verb. It's a mindfulness. So the devil knows that if he can only keep us focused on the basic things, the low things, the things that um, you know are just so simple, like having something to eat every day, or whatever, you know, hey, make these stones into bread, Jesus. You know, you have a physical body. You can eat this, you know, you use your power to give yourself something that will benefit yourself. But he's mindful of the things of men. That's what he's after. If we if the devil can get us to keep our eyes on ourself and become self-focused, he's won the battle. He's won every single day of our life if we just focus on ourselves. But if we turn around and focus on God, who is our source of strength and our source of understanding and our source of knowledge and wisdom and truth and all these things, then we're looking beyond ourself to a higher power that can affect us and change the way we think and give us the peace and the understanding and the security that we need to walk through this life. So get off the idea of the money and the mortgage and the career and the education. Jesus says we live by all the message of God. So that's all the wisdom, the spirit, the truth, the knowledge, the understanding. These things come from him. So when when the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he was trying to get him to deal with the basic things, the things that affect every human being on the earth. This is just one aspect of the temptation of Jesus, by the way. There's, there's multiple layers here that we could look at. I'm just focusing on the one thing. But Jesus' response was that, no, my life, I live by all that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So it's not the food day to day that I live by. It's what, what is the broadest scope by which you live? How, what is your worldview? What is your broadest scope of thinking? How do, you, what, how do you see your life? These are the questions that this passage is actually forcing us to grapple with. Are we seeing our life based on the money that we make or our position in life or something to this effect? Or are we, are we actually looking to God and saying, no, I recognize that you are my creator you sent Jesus to be my savior. I have responded to that. And so therefore, I want to live by all that proceeds from the mouth of God. I want to know the whole of the scriptures so that I can hear his voice clearly. And when I hear, I want to turn in obedience because then the blessing will come because I'm relating to him. God wants to hear from us. Cast your cares upon him for he cares for you is what it says. And and live a life that is pleasing to him. And, and what he gives back is marvelous, and it will draw us back to him again. And so it's always like that. It's like this two-way street. God, God gives when he sees that we are turning to him, and when we turn to him, he gives. And it's just this consistent pattern like that. But remember, it falls into the pattern of the life that Jesus lived here on earth. We take up our cross daily, because when we're doing this, 
we're actually in the process putting to death our flesh and our inner self that wants to revolt against God. And it doesn't like that. And that's a whole other subject, is the life of the flesh and how we can overcome it. So this is uh, uh, um, a challenge to you to say, what really am I putting my focus on? Or am I looking to all that proceeds from God? So to, in order to do that, we need to understand the whole of scriptures and we need to focus first on the life of Jesus and how we lived it out and walking in the spirit. So that's our challenge as we go forth um, with this summer ahead of us. God bless you.